Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Fellow redeemed, this morning we hear the account of the transfiguration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the presence of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. This Sunday is a major turning point on the church calendar, just as it's a major turning point in the Gospels. We enter the Sunday of the Transfiguration from the season of Epiphany, and we exit it by beginning to move toward the season of Lent. And this important event in the life of Jesus carries aspects of both of these seasons. The obvious epiphany is that Jesus, standing before these three disciples, is transfigured before them. What had been hidden under his humiliation, Jesus' divinity suddenly shines forth. As his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. In rays of brilliant glory, Jesus reveals the truth that St. Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. While the Transfiguration's connection to Epiphany is apparent, its connection to Lent, that is where we turn our focus to Jesus' suffering and death on the cross, its connection to Lent may not be as apparent. And yet, upon a closer look, and you'll see that it's quite obvious, and it in fact is central to all of what we hear this day. Six days prior to his transfiguration, Jesus begins to reveal to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. To this, Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him for talking about suffering and death. Far be it from you, Lord, this should ever happen to you. Now to Peter's words, Jesus would rebuke him. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. With these words, Jesus warns Peter that he's acting as an agent of Satan by tempting Jesus to abandon his mission to go to the cross. And after six days from this moment, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Here, Moses represents the law of God, 
in the Ten Commandments. Elijah represents all the Old Testament prophets and the prophecies. The appearance of these two great Old Testament men revealed that Jesus is, in fact, the promised Messiah, the one who would fulfill all of Holy Scripture. And it's the Gospel of St. Luke that tells us what these three men were talking about. They spoke of Jesus' departure, which was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. That is, they spoke of Jesus' atoning death on the cross for the sin of the world. Peter, James, and John didn't know what to make of all of this. They knew it was an incredible and glorious sight to be on that mountain at that moment. It's why Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. With Jesus unveiled in glory, Peter wants to stay on the mountain of transfiguration, to bask in the glory of Jesus without all of that suffering and death that Jesus predicted would come. And as he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him. Like the presence of God on Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments were given. Or like the presence of God that filled the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and in the temple. And with the bright cloud overshadowing them, God the Father speaks. Silencing Peter. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's as if the father was saying, pay attention, Peter. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him because of what he's accomplishing in his perfect obedience to me. What he will accomplish in his suffering and death on the cross. So when he tells you that he's going to Jerusalem to suffer and die and rise from the dead, listen to him. When the disciples heard the Father's voice, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Fellow redeemed, we may think that it would be great to have the glory of God shine down upon us, to bask in the brightness of God's full presence. And yet the pages of Holy Scripture reveal time and time again that no one can see the glory of God and live. The Old Testament for this day reveals that Moses had been talking with God. He had beheld God, but he was shielded from the full presence of God. And having been in the presence of God, the reflected glory of God was upon him. And yet as Moses descends from that mountain with the skin of his face shining, even this reflected glory was too much for the people to bear. So Moses wore a veil over his face for a time, 
until that glory faded. The reality is that the glory of God in His righteousness, His holiness, His purity and power is too much for us mere humans. Because of sin, we can't stand before the judgment of God, the Father, by our own merits and strength, without being destroyed. If God shows up in full majesty of the glory that he revealed on the mountaintop, we would be immediately aware of how holy he is and how sinful we are. This is the terror of sinful people in the revealed presence of the holy God. So there's only one place where we can see the glory of God. One kind of mountaintop experience with God where he reveals himself so that we would not die, but live. And this is the glory of God revealed in the blood, in the sweat, in the tears of Jesus on the cross the mountaintop of Golgotha. Here, God reveals His greatest glory to us. It's the glory of God's love and compassion for humanity. Even in our sinful, fallen condition, it's the glory that takes away our fear and replaces it with humble confidence. A confidence not in ourselves, but in a confidence in the God-man Jesus Christ, who dies on the cross for the judgment that our sin deserves. It's the brutal glory of Jesus on the cross that reveals God's desire to rescue us from sin and death, having bore our sin and death in his very flesh so that he may give us his perfect life. It's this death that takes away our debt to sin. It's Jesus' suffering, his humiliation, that allows us to stand before the Father, justified, declared righteous, innocent, forgiven. This is the glory that Peter didn't understand when Jesus spoke of his suffering and death and resurrection. It's the glory of Golgotha that makes the glory of Easter even possible. Peter would eventually understand this. Yet, he would first have to come down from that mountaintop. He had to witness Jesus praying in Gethsemane. He had to witness Jesus being arrested by a band of soldiers and led away to stand trial where he would be condemned to die on a cross. Then he had to witness the living Lord risen from the dead, showing his hands and his feet and his side to his disciples. And only when the Holy Spirit came upon him at Pentecost would Peter finally understand this and boldly confess it. 
Like Peter, we don't always understand what God is doing in our lives. In the joys of those mountaintop experiences or in the valleys of sorrow and pain. And yet, in the midst of all of this, we're called to listen to him. Listen to Jesus and to trust his word. To repent of our sins, of wanting it only our way. To look not for glorious signs in those mountaintop experiences of our lives, but to look to and trust in what Jesus has revealed to us in his word. Through his holy word, we're able to hear the voice of God in Christ Jesus, the fulfillment of Scripture. Having made you his beloved son, his beloved daughter in the waters of holy baptism, he continues to apply the glorious benefits of the cross to you in his words of absolution, his words of forgiveness. And through this word, We see that he will lead us through those sometime dark days, the valleys of life, the suffering here on earth. He'll lead us through these days with the promise that they are overcome in him. And that he will, in fact, bring us through them to himself in heaven. He'll redeem Jesus has defeated sin and death and the devil through the glory of the cross. He snatched victory from what looked like defeat. And he proved this through the glory of his resurrection. His victory over sin, death, and the devil has become your victory over sin, death, and the devil. The glory of his resurrection has become your resurrection. And on the last day, when he comes in final triumph, he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Their death will be overcome once and for all, and we will live forever with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the whole company of heaven in his radiant glory, without fear, and with plenty of joy. Until that time, we continue to live in the glory of the cross. It's in Christ crucified, where God promises to strengthen you in the dips and the valleys of this life. So cling to the cross by faith. Hear your Savior's voice that it is finished, all of it for you. Know his love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, who has taken away your sin. It's truly good to be here, in this place, here where God speaks, so that you may receive this good news in Christ Jesus, and live. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.